Welcome to the Queen Silk Podcast. This is episode 14, The Limping Woman. Our Woman of the Week is Virginia Hall, who lived from 1906 to 1982. We are sourcing her story as researched and told by Sonia Purnell in her biography, A Woman of No Importance. Today's music was composed by George Gershwin and is called An American in Paris. Welcome to the Queen Silk Podcast. I'm Anne. This is Tammy. This is Courtney. And our Woman of the Week is... Virginia Hall. Oh, I'm so excited. She's one of my favorite people. Um, she just is so... Like, she's the bad A. Without, like, she she literally defines, for me personally, bad A. Yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, I love her so yeah, much. Yeah, just like not letting any limitations <laughs> be upon her gender... Well, mm-hmm. her capabilities, physically or otherwise, and then she has just a strong mind. Like, ugh, mm-hmm. inspiring all the way around, guys. Yes. Exactly. She's super cool. So let's talk about who she is, because we know, but you don't, and that was her goal. <laughs> <laughs> so during the World War II phase, once again, World War II, it's a favorite of mine, and it's actually really great because you get a lot more information about these women because they did live so recently, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Really, really cool. Um, it's Anyway, everyone else either has to be a queen or something more to have this much information about them. So it's very exciting for me. Um, and that's part of why we rely on them. And I'm rambling now. Anyway, it's great. So, uh, <laughs> but Virginia Hall is one of those that we actually don't have a ton of information on her. Mm-hmm. And like we said, she likes it like that. Um, well, you know, when you're in the CIA, <coughs> yeah. you typically are erased. <laughs> pretty much, so yes. The fact that we know her name is pretty fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about her. So she, she grew up in the 1900s, for sure, and she would have been... I, I'm going to be real honest. It was about a year ago that I read her book, so I'm going to give you kind of spark notes again. Mm-hmm. So... She grew up, I would say that she's definitely upper-class American. Um, she goes to school, and she's required to learn several different languages, which typically, you know, current modern education system, we don't learn languages. But so she, sad. It's mm-hmm. really sad, and a, definitely an oversight. Like, that's one of the things that all these women have in common, is that they learn know more than one language, and it helps them to speak and communicate with more than one person. Yeah. And it gives them an empathy for these people that are not their own people, that it's somebody outside themselves. Like, you don't learn language to talk, a, a new language to talk to yourself, or even to write secrets in your journal. That's so extra. If you do but do that, please that. let me know. <laughs> I would love to know more about that. But, like, that's not typically what you do. It's to communicate with others. Anyway, side note, random tangent. I just wanted to throw that out there. But so Virginia Hall, she grows up, um, she learns German, French, and Italian. These are, like, pretty typical um, languages that you will learn in general like that's the most common and um, then her parents for the second part of her education they basically send her to Europe as like the second half and so while she's there she takes on a job as a clerk she's in Turkey um, and she's always been kind of a rough and tumble kid so it doesn't surprise anybody that she is out there and she's going shooting with some of her friends they're actually going hunting and she's got her own gun, but as she's climbing over a fence, she shoots herself in the leg. Oh. And the infection gets pretty bad. Pretty bad. They're worried about her contracting gangrene. And, um, sorry, well, that was 
Anyway, um, so if you contract gangrene, it's very likely that it will just kill you. So to avoid that, at a young age, they cut off her leg, mm. and it's just amputated. And so she spends the rest of her life um, with with this wooden leg that she names Cuthbert. <laughs> I love that she names it. <laughs> also, I feel like this is just right up Anne's alley. Oh, like, I love her. She's half pirate already, <laughs> yes. and she's named the wooden leg. Uh-huh. I mean, no, I'm just saying, I knew immediately upon hearing just this part of the story why Anne likes this woman. <laughs> hashtag piracy, hashtag saboteur, hashtag resistant, hashtag anti-Nazi. Yes, you've got me. You have me. <laughs> hashtag powerful woman who saved France. Yep. Yes. Attacking France, eh, it's kind of a bully move at this point. Saving France, mm-hmm. much better, much better. <laughs> takes a lot more effort because you have to beat up bullies. Anyway, so, sorry. <laughs> it's a personal opinion on France. <laughs> um, so, Virginia Hall, she, um, she stays in Europe. She doesn't go home. She relearns to walk with her wooden leg. She, um, she continues her little tour, and what she starts to notice is that, number one, there's a huge polarization going on in Europe. Um, we already know that it's World War II era, and Hitler has got his, um, he's got his ideologies being sent out, and he's got his new wave of everything, and he seems to think that he's going to be peaceful, but at the same time, Virginia Hall has been educated and she's studied history. She sees a pattern coming. This is the, like, this kind of robust talking about, like, how cool I am versus how cool you are. This is what got us into World War I because everybody started building up their military to be cooler than everybody else, and then they all had to prove who was the coolest. Like, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much what happened in World War I. Somebody else can correct me, but... That's basically the idea. And so Virginia sees this happening again in Europe. And she's she's seeing it all go on. And she's like, oh, no. No, no. If this is going to happen, then France is, like, there's going to be invasions. France is going to get invaded next. Like, he, I think as she's trying to sound the alarm, um, Germany invades Poland. And then she's like, nope, <laughs> nope. And she goes and she starts trying to tell people, we need, we need people put in place and we need them put in place now. Mm-hmm. And nobody listens to her because, number one, she's a woman. Number two, she has a wooden leg named Cuthbert. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, even if you could help us, or even if you were right, you wouldn't be able to help us. And she, she's just like, no. No, and she's in France trying to get the French authorities to do something, and they're like, no, no, we're good. But finally she runs into this guy, and he basically um, is listening to what she has to say, and he doesn't discredit her. He just says, you know what, I think I've got a friend that will appreciate what you've got to say. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what? He's like, if you can get yourself to the U.K., go find this person in London. Mm-hmm. She's like, all right, fine. Now, keep in mind, this is not the age of the internet. She can't just, you know, Google him and figure out who he is or what he does. Mm-hmm. So she ends up just going to the UK, and she meets him for lunch or tea. I can't remember which. And they're talking, but over lunch, she's explaining, we have a problem. 
we have a major problem. Yeah. Hitler is not just done with Poland. He's going to move in. Now, keep in mind, the British are actually kind of chill right now because their prime minister has just brokered a deal with Hitler that he's not going to attack for a little while, which does buy them, like, two years, the UK, mm-hmm. buys them, like, two years to build up their military. But Hitler doesn't honor this agreement because he doesn't honor any of his agreements. His He doesn't care about other agreements that he's made because he's Hitler. Like it's his agenda Mm -hmm. and the Aryan like everything that he's got to put out there. Evil can pacify whatever good they want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they have no they can justify any action. You know, so yeah, who cares? Yeah. And so he he's just doing his thing and she's like, no no, we we're not done. Like this is a problem. And so um the the gentleman that she's talking to, he's like, all right, I hear you. Show up at this place at this time, and we'll we'll make a difference. She's like, oh, okay. Cool. What she doesn't realize is that he is the leader of the SOE, the Special Operations Executive. Mm. And what their their job during the war and in the in France is that they send in spies to do reconnaissance, to organize uh, resistance and maquisades, and they also um, report back, and they're supposed to, like, they, they keep the front line, because France is basically the front line at this point. They keep them apprised of everything that's going to be going on in the country, like part of their plans and what they need them to do. Just enough information to tell them you need to go do this, so that they know, oh, okay, this is what's happening. So but not enough. Covert, like communication. Yeah. But not enough that if they get captured, they can ruin their plans. Mm-hmm. Um, the typical uh, survival rate of an SOE agent after they've been dropped into France is between six to 12 weeks. So you've got six weeks or three months that before mm. you get found by the Gestapo because the Gestapo love to pick people up. And they love to interrogate and torture them, and it's pretty bad. And um, really sad. But Virginia Hall doesn't know about the, the Gestapo yet. And so she goes through, and they, they do tell her that they're concerned about her leg, and they're concerned that she's not going to be able to keep up. But she's like, no, no, I got this. Mm-hmm. I got this. Yeah, don't underestimate me. Exactly. Yeah. And, and she passes. She passes the top of her class in the SOE. <laughs> and what do they do? They send her into Paris. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the SOE in just a second. But they send her into Paris, and they give her the cover of being a journalist, an American journalist, and she is specifically there to report on the war. So the fact that she goes in and that she's asking people questions, Mm -hmm. well, she's a journalist, that makes sense. And that she's a woman, um, well, she's a woman journalist, like this is a perfectly reasonable Mm -hmm. job for a woman to have at this point. And she's American. Americans are nosy and curious, like, all of these preconceived notions the SOE is using against the um, the Germans when they when they invade. Mm-hmm. Um, just a real quick a plug for the SOE um, on Netflix a little while ago they had a whole TV series about um, that like they put a group of twelve people through an SOE training re- regimen. Um, and they, they only had six weeks to train 
all these new agents because that's that is the longest potentially that your guys are going to last they might even die when they parachute in Mm -hmm. um but so like the the soe it used to be on netflix i don't know if it is anymore and if it's not i'm so sad because it was such a good one but like it is not simple like you have to learn how to like there's tons of obstacle courses obstacle courses that you have to do and then there's whole sections where you have to memorize Morse code and other codes and mm-hmm. decode while you are listening. But then you also have to like be able to gather up your stuff and quickly get out of the place where you're at because the Gestapo get really good at um, picking up radio signals and catching them and triangulating. Like, think of what we have for GPS right now. Like, the Gestapo really helped us create how amazingly specific it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so much technology like, came out of World War II. Oh my yes. gosh. It's like us. frightening um, yeah. mm-hmm. how much <laughs> progress <laughs> came from something that was so devastating. Yes. Exactly, yeah. And um, so you have to do all this. There's also one of the funniest slash grossest parts is they learned how to put bombs into horse manure mm-hmm. or into dead rats. <laughs> Because nobody nobody wants to touch those and nobody wants to remove those, mm-hmm. but any but they'll run over them with chucks, and so you can completely dismantle a whole a whole fleet or at least put them off their pace for a little while if you've done this kind of sabotage and you've put the bombs mm-hmm. in the right place, and yeah. that's that's what Virginia Hall is really getting ready to go do. So I will look and see if it's still on Netflix, and if it's not, I will figure out where to find it because mm-hmm. it is really cool, and I highly recommend it. Yeah. And it's, like, mind-boggling what these people actually did in order to really help with the war effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so Virginia Hall, she jumps into the war. She's in France. She doesn't... The nice thing for her is that because she's got her wooden leg... She gets um, dropped off at the airport as a regular American civilian, mm-hmm. um, and she immediately, Fran- I don't think at this point that Germany has even invaded France yet, mm-hmm. but she starts setting up context, she starts meeting people, and she's basically like a sleeper agent. Um, she's there in case they do um, invade, and she's there whether or not they invade. She is going to, like, this is her role during the war, is she is collecting reconnaissance. Fortunately for her, what? Um, Anyway, the Germans do invade. And fortunately for her, she's already been there in time, and she's early enough that she has already got her contacts. She knows exactly who she wants to use and who she's going to talk to and how she's going to get people in and out of different places and situations. She's already got this all built in. Yeah. My favorite thing is like uh, that she would just go to these contacts and just to ease her way in. Mm-hmm. She didn't ask for like, who do you know? What did you see? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, make them nervous and, you know, life yeah. ahead. She'd just be like, so what did they have for lunch? Yeah. Exactly. What tea did they drink today? Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, talk about like <laughs> building confidence and trust right. in, with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially so when the Germans are there, like a lot of the a lot of the officers that are there, they do go and they patronize all these places. Like, keep in mind, France is the fashion capital of the world. Like, if there's one thing we know about the French, it's their devotion to aestheticism. Like, um, even like bakeries, like 
uh, fashion, we talked about fashion last week, everything that the French do is all about like this desire for um, creative perfection, right? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, there's people that are going to be watching and they'll see, and like the, the Germans are going to participate in this because no matter how cool Hitler is, <laughs> we've now taken over the fashion capital of France, I'm going to participate. This is awesome. And so you well, you, did a, you did a lot of your living out in public yeah. in in Paris, um, in the big cities because your housing is small. Yeah. So while you couldn't, of course, have a cup of tea and you can have uh, you know a meal at home, that's not what you did. Mm-hmm. It's all outward. It's going to cafes. Yeah. It's being on the streets, going to parks, and being seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. your lifestyle in Paris. Yeah, and so she starts off with these people who clearly like bakers and cafe shop owners, they're clearly disgruntled and not super pleased that the Germans are here. And but she can come in as just a reporter and be like, Oh, well what did what do they like with their with their croissant? Mm-hmm. Like what are they eating? Like and they can give them very give her very harmless information. And then but they she's establishing and keeping her reputation while also discussing like the gossip of the city with these people, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Um, and then later, the other thing I think is also interesting is she ends up recruiting um, different brothels to join her in her resistance and her mm-hmm. um, information gathering. This is initially. Um, later she um, does a lot more resistance, but when, when you're gathering information, who do you want information from? Usually the people they're sleeping with are pretty important people, uh-huh. and um, so I also love this, like, when yeah. Anne was telling me this history, I was like, oh my gosh, of course, she would utilize an organization of women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, these are an organization of women. Yeah. No matter what they're doing in the job title, <laughs> this, the job description, guys. Yeah. yeah. But they're, they're there, they're witnessing things, they're, they're having personal contact with, mm-hmm. you know, real situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they know what's going on, like, and number one, okay, I, I'm just being blunt here, guys. This is a situation where you take off all your clothes. Do you know who has in the perfect opportunity when all of your clothes are off to go through your pockets? Yeah. Other people that are there, and it's not I mean, even just strenuous activities, and you're going to yeah. pass out. So yep. <laughs> let's drink, have some fun, and then I'm going to start your pockets for your hidden messages exactly. and mm-hmm. where you've been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can tell, like, Pocket litter is a huge thing. So when I was doing um, criminal justice at UVU, one of the things we talked about is pocket litter. But not just pocket litter, going through people's garbage. You can Mm -hmm. tell a lot about people's lives just going through their garbage. Thank goodness we never had to do that. (laughs) But also, once it's out on the street curb, like, anybody can go through it. It's it's technically public property because you've rejected it. You don't want it anymore. this is not what they were doing. They were clearly going through personal belongings and possessions. But and they were in active war. Stuff, but mm-hmm. they're in active war. And this is an active spy ring. And at the same time, like, where did, where did you lose that information? How did they find that out? Well, I don't and know. And nobody's asking yeah. these questions know? either. Yeah. Yeah. They're wanting to save nations. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're yeah. not yeah. Uh, presenting uh, proof and well, <laughs> to a court of law. Right. I'm also just going through it. I'm like... We're talking about very moral, like, there is wartime and then there is peacetime. And we're talking about peacetime morals during war. Yes. You know who doesn't care about peaceful morals during peacetime either? 
prostitutes. I'm sorry. It's true. <laughs> Anyways, it's just, but it really is true. just uh, <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant of her to have recruited these women. And to think about it and like mm-hmm. to have gone to them. Also, the other thing that I think is really interesting is um, so we talked a little about in Audrey Hepburn's how you have um, these women who are seen as horizontal collaborators. Mm-hmm. Prostitutes never get this this shame done to them. Like, they they never get accused of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it's they women are literally class. sleeping with the That get shamed. Yeah. yeah, but they also never get any credit for it either, yeah. which mm-hmm. I want to throw that out there too. So while I'm not condoning this practice by any means, um, I'm just saying if people already have it in place, it is a resource during war. So mm-hmm. maybe Well, and especially that. because Virginia was already at this point underestimated. Nobody was yeah. listening to her because she had a peg wagon and she was a woman. Mm-hmm. And so for her, she understands what it means to be ignored and overlooked and mm-hmm. not thought about as a conspirator. And yeah. so for her, I think it's really brilliant to use women in a very similar position who mm-hmm. are definitely overlooked, are women, and therefore are just totally ignored. And yeah. that's a really powerful place in the war to be, especially as a, a spy, because now you you have so much power over these people that they don't even realize that they gave you. Yeah, You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's very cool. Um, and once again, using that already, like, the perception people already have mm-hmm. of her against them. Yep. Like... She's talking to German soldiers. She's just flirting with them. Mm-hmm. That's all they will see is that she's asking them about their uniforms, their ranks. She's asking them about some of their accomplishments, things that they like, things that they would like to do, not what you're going to do. No, no, but what you would like to do. What would you like to accomplish in this mm-hmm. war? And they like goodness. A beautiful woman is talking to you. I'm she's flattered. giving you attention. Like boom, what more could you want, right? Yeah. And she doesn't even have to sleep with you. She's just asking questions. She's very invested in who you are. So, gentlemen, keep in mind. <laughs> well, I think uh, about the geisha, too, that we talked about. Mm-hmm. A lot of the... We've talked about the preconception of geisha, where they were prostitutes. Yeah. And that's really not what they were. They mm-hmm. were people that were or, an organization of women that were set up to complement men and their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they were a place of culture and mm-hmm. support. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing. <laughs> Sexy. Here. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And this is perfectly safe for her as well because America isn't even in the war yet. Mm-mm. So consider this. You have the perfect opportunity as a German soldier to have your Führer's cause heard by the Americans mm-hmm. by telling your story to an American reporter. Mm-hmm. Maybe we will pass fascism across the sea and they will join us, not the other people. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that didn't happen, but that's definitely <laughs> a possibility. And like, and if that does happen, my goodness, you're the one who told that story. You're the one that's quoted in that thing. Mm-hmm. The opposite happens, you're also doomed. So, <laughs> sorry, bro. <laughs> so good luck. Yeah, but at this point, they were not thinking about uh, <laughs> oh, definitely not winning. They were, they were there to win. Oh. And, and they are conquering ground Ooh. very quickly, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Virginia Hall spends a lot of the initial stages of the war gathering information. Um, later, after the Germans invade, she has her network set up. And it's not just um, women as prostitutes. It's also other men who are like honorable, patriotic Frenchmen. And they want to protect their country. And this is 
this is all they can do. But they can't sign up to join the war because their country is now occupied and their government is placating the Germans. Like the Vichy government is a whole nother story. So um, she sets up her group. Um, there's multiple times where different, um, different members of her group become, um, they, they get captured by the Gestapo, and she goes and she comes up with plans to break them out, and they, they rescue quite a few of them. That's part of why they're so successful. But because of their escapes and because she participates in them, the legend of the limping woman Ah. starts to roll across the Gestapo's desk. Mm -hmm. And she becomes known because she is a high figure in all of these escapades. She becomes known as the limping woman. They don't have a face. They don't have a name. It's Eventually, like a modern-day Scarlet Pimpernel, and right? I love this so much. <laughs> all they know is this one feature, mm -hmm. is that as she was running, she was limping, and they don't know why. Yeah. But so eventually, so like, this has been slowly building up. Yeah. So one day there's this priest who comes, and he is part, he claims that he's part of the resistance, and he needs more money so that he can help blow up certain bridges, mm -hmm. important bridges that need to be blown up, according to the resistance. And he, he needs more money to afford explosives to make this happen. And one of her... Um, underlings, somebody in her connection, word gets up to Virginia that he, he needs help. And so she radios to Britain. She's like, do we have, have we recruited any priests? And they're like, eh, maybe. We don't know. Like, you guys mm -hmm. have a huge network over there. You'd know better than we do. And so she's like, okay, I'll, I'll send him money down the channel. So she sends him a little bit of money. By the way, this man gets very rich. <laughs> Because <laughs> he does not use any of it for resistance. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Anyway, so he begins working on his um, little spy network and his goals and everything. And um, what we do, what nobody realizes, as they are slowly confiding in and sharing their confessions with this priest, is that he is a Gestapo officer. Mm. He is part of the the regime looking for. Virginia Hall yeah. and the resistance, the limping woman. Mm -hmm. And um, he has slowly been gathering information. Well, Virginia, like, she, when, when you've been spying long enough, you begin to develop a sixth sense for different things. Mm -hmm. Virginia is like, you know what? I need to get out. I need to leave. And so there's supposed to be a meeting the next day for all the resistance to come to. Mm-hmm. Do not ever fall for that. Nobody, like, when you're spies, you do not call a meeting for everyone to come to. Yeah. Um, but there's a meeting that everyone's supposed to come to, and they're going to plan their next big thing. And she, she's like, hmm, this doesn't feel right. So she escapes. Mm -hmm. She and two other guy leaders that she's been working with, I think one is Peter Churchill, I think is his name. He's Winston Churchill's son. And then there's another guy. They all scatter. The top three leave. They're all SOE. Yeah. Um, Virginia, how she escapes is she um, goes to the Pyrenees. Now, the Pyrenees are kind of like the Alps. So think Sound of Music, but in Spanish. And <laughs> she is in the... This is November. Okay, so keep in mind, snow everywhere. Mm -hmm. And she's going to cross the Pyrenees on a wooden leg with a trail guide. It's 50 miles that she has to do in two days. 
with a trail guide who will leave her behind to save himself if she shows any signs of slowing. He does not know that she has a wooden leg. He does not know anything about her, Mm -hmm. except that she needs to get into Spain. And so she follows him for two days, 50 miles, guys, in the snow into Spain. And that is how she escapes getting caught by the Gestapo yeah. at that secret meeting. Oh. That Guys, for 4th of July, chose. I just hiked <laughs> six miles up a ridge line <laughs> in Utah. And I thought, wow, that was a lot. And it took me like two days to recover to be able to like stretch my legs right. I can't even imagine. <laughs> 50. 50 miles. miles in elevation and and a wooden leg. Yeah. In the winter. In the winter. Yeah. With snow. Oh, I think one of the things like, I really admire about her is that she is like what we would classify as physically handicapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet she is she has real patriotism. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. She not only can identify what is going to happen and organize and as she claims like she manages mm-hmm. uh, these people and yeah. this spy network. But then she's just like, no, I can climb that mountain. I'm going to get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. It's just yeah. very inspiring. Well, and there's also, like, the necessity of I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. If I do not do this, I die on the mountain. Or worse, if I don't do this, I get tortured. And everybody I know, everybody that I have worked with for the last two years goes down with me. Goes down with me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't trust myself to not give in to torture. And mm-hmm. I don't have cyanide capsules with me. Sorry, yeah. guys, I don't have that. Like, mm-hmm. she's before that part of the SOE. She gets it later, but initially <laughs> she doesn't have that advantage. So either she escapes or she dies. Yeah. Like, but the confidence to know that she absolutely can escape and she yeah. has the ability to do it, even mm-hmm. though people would look and say, no, you don't. You're on a peg leg. There's no way yeah. you can make it 50 mountains. Or 50 mountains. <laughs> 50 miles in a mountain. Probably felt like 50 mountains. Probably felt like 50 mountains. Probably was 50 mountains. I don't, I don't know much about the Pyrenees. All I know is, like, Spanish Alps. Right? But for sure, like, just recognizing she can do that, even if she can't stay and be tortured. Yeah. Not that I'm saying be, be tortured. You know what I mean? But. Yeah. But, I mean, the risk versus the reward mm-hmm. there is, there, it's huge. Yeah. Yes, so she so she crosses. She initially is kept captured in Spain because you know she's they don't know about her. Um, they don't Legal know what she's doing. Illegal mm-hmm. immigration, like it is. A, <laughs> they they just take everybody, like French refugee, uh, American spy. Like we don't care who you are, you go to jail. <laughs> Doesn't matter to us. We're neutral. Yeah, <laughs> and we care about our borders and our neutrality. So mm-hmm. we're going to enforce. And we're not going to piss anybody off. So I don't know yeah. where you came from, but here you go. Uh-huh. Here's your stuff. But here's where you're going. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where you're staying for a while. So she ends up in um, prison for a little while. I think it's like six months ish. Um, terrible. Yeah, and that's just until the UK can get her out and the SOE can bring her back to England. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets there and she starts sharing all of her information. They're like, girlfriend. Wow, this is amazing. So she even starts helping train some of the new SOE agents. Mm-hmm. Um, they start doing a little bit better in the field. and um, But it's, it's not enough for Virginia. Sorry, this is going to go a little bit longer just because there's still a little bit more to the story. Um, it's, it's not enough for Virginia. And so she tries to tell them, you have to send me back in. I need to go back. They need me over there. They're mm-hmm. like an organization over there, like this priest who, this Gestapo officer priest that took them all out, he took them all out. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he knew every, enough to destroy the whole network that she had set up. And she's like, you have to send me back in. I can get it reset up. I can go in. I can do good. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody's like, you're too hot right now. You are, everybody knows the limping woman. We can't send you back in. The Gestapo is still looking for you. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of irritated. But does she get let this get her down? Nope. No. <laughs> nope, she doesn't. And one day, the head honcho boss man at the SOE headquarters <laughs> comes in. And there's this cute little old lady in the middle of SOE headquarters talking to everybody. And he's like, okay. And then she keeps talking, and time goes on a little bit longer. And he's like, where did she go? Where is this little old lady? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to, and he's like, who, who was that? Does anybody know who that was? And they're like, no, she's just cute. She brought us cookies. That was great. <laughs> and he's like, we are an international spy ring. You can't just be letting in little old cook- ladies because they have cookies. This is my version of the story. It's not like exactly it what anyway. happened, but it's fun. <laughs> and he goes into his office, and there's the little old lady sitting in his office. He's like, who are you and what are you doing here? She's like, you really don't recognize me? And he's mm-hmm. like, No. And she's like, and you even know my name, you know my face, you know exactly who I am, and you don't recognize me. And he's like, who are you? She pulls off her wig. Guess who it is? Virginia. And he's like, oh my gosh. And she's like, they do not know my name. They do not know my face. They do not know anything about me. And I just used myself. I disguised myself so well as a little old lady that I got all the way into your office with no questions asked. That's so Send me back to France. Yes. (laughs) And he's like, okay, fine. But not to Lyon, which is where she had been hanging out. Mm -hmm. So now she goes to Normandy, and she does a lot of work to set the groundwork for uh, D-Day and the invasion, and making it so that the Americans can do a major push. Um, She does a lot of similar things to what she did in the war. She does um, use her, um, she does use her disguise as a little lady Mm -hmm. um, while she's out in public. And, but she's changed her walk. So they knew her as the limping woman, but she changes her walk so that it's an old woman's shuffle rather than a limp. I love that. And now, and then the other thing that she had to work on is because she, even though she could speak French, she still spoke with a, an accent. Mm-hmm. So she worked on that and made it so that she sounded more like a native French woman yeah. or an older French woman and, like, even used that to disguise her voice. But, yes. like, everybody loves little ladies. They're so cute. Like, even in Russia, they have a special name for them, like Babushka. Like, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> everyone loves little old ladies. They're just cute, like little grandmas. Yeah. And nobody, like, that's, that this is the only part about Audrey, Captain Marvel that I actually ladies, like. like mm-hmm. Yeah. They, you still respect them. Oh, yeah. They've got so much spunk, and they'll roast you. Yes. <laughs> but that's the, that's legit the only part of Captain Marvel that I like, is the fight that she has with the little old lady. <laughs> it's the only worthwhile part, um, in my personal opinion. But, um, so she uses that. She goes back to France. And um, while she's there, she meets her future husband. I wrote it down, but I can't remember his name. Um, but they, they're saboteurs together. She trusts him implicitly. Um, he doesn't turn out to be a Gestapo agent, which is, you know, what Hollywood would do. But 
what he didn't do. And so, um, so it all works out. I mean, he must have really been well. like an impeccable character for this woman oh, yeah. that has a flipping spy network mm-hmm. um, to trust him. Yeah. yeah. Impeccably. I yeah. mean, this oh, is yeah. probably quite the unique man. Well, uh-huh. and the other thing that she does during. So um, later she is going to be recruited by the CIA or the OSS, OSS and then CIA, um, to train and to be a field agent. And um, what she does in the resistance that works out really well for her is when the um, when the British, when the SOE send her more agents, but they're men, um, and she feels like they're incompetent or they're incapable of doing the work that she's doing, they've told her that this guy's here, he's going to be the new leader, let him be in charge. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> when she has judged a man based on his merits and what he can do and how well he's going to fit into her group, she, if he's going to fit in, she she lets him participate, but she's still in charge. Mm-hmm. But when, if he's not, she helps him develop his own contacts and everything and puts him in his own area and does not let him get anywhere close to the contacts that she has already made because this is her network and her work is more important than that man's ego. Mm-hmm. Even though he thinks he's in charge of her and he's been told that he's in charge too, of her. I because... She's like, no. The government yeah. and everybody else think that, you know, she's letting the, him come in and be, you know, the leader. And yeah. she's just like, no, I got this whole side ring. You can have yep. it. Here yep. you go, babe. Yep. Have a great you time. You take your ego and, <laughs> and have fun. And we'll mm-hmm. see how long you last. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean... Uh-huh. And, like, so many people would think, like, oh, this is manipulation, da-da-da-da. But when you're in this kind of war play, you can't you can't sacrifice your life for someone else's ego. Yeah. yeah or their position politically mm-hmm. or connect their connection. Yeah. So she probably sum, summed up the – she probably got so good between being a spy and just very like, aware. people. Being able to read people and their character and their yeah. abilities. And what she needed them to accomplish, like mm-hmm. I can't oh, yeah. even imagine. Yeah. Again, if Evie Pompera is like, <laughs> if we ever meet you, <laughs> I don't know if we really want to know what you think of us. <laughs> I hope you think we're cool. <laughs> we said that's a question mark. Yeah. Maybe not bad yet, but cool. That's a good step. Oh, Even just one of these, I'll accept. <laughs> yeah. But Virginia Hallman, like she, she set a standard. Number one. Okay, so kind of going to Evie Pompers, she takes even, so she's going up not against Micah Myers. She's, she has to work with and collaborate with the Micah Myers personality where you have the, you want to please a lot of people and then make friends and influence people, right? But she's also going up against uh, Evie Pompers kind of people where they also are analyzing everything mm-hmm. and they also are seeing things that are not meant to be seen. And she uses that same thing against them, um, like with she's the, like the middleman between these two mm-hmm. worlds. Yeah, and then she's oh, yeah. playing a game of chess with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And she, like, so she has to use the social graces and the social skills that she has, but then she can use people's perceptions of her when she's when she's not networking underground. <laughs> she uses the people's perceptions of her to maintain her identity. She is the most successful SOE agent who was number one on the ground before the war and helped finish the war and resolve everything, even going into Austria 
to curb the Nazi influence in Austria after France has been liberated. She is a successful SOE agent for over six years. Not six weeks, not three months, six years. Mm. And she only got pulled out once because she had the foresight and the sixth sense to be like, I'm out. I need to get out yeah. as soon as possible. And she did. Um, but then switched her perception and her, and her identity and went mm-hmm. back right, right back in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. New place, new players, new... And she did not expect everything to be the same when she got to this new location. No, no, no. She got there and was like, all right, let's see what's going on now. And how do people perceive me as a little old lady? <laughs> I would love to have picked her brain and seen how different information she got as a strong American writer, mm-hmm. journalist, versus the old lady. I would love to hear her opinion oh on gosh. how she was perceived and what information, how different the information was that she yeah. received. Yeah. I would love to hear that. You oh know, one day, one day in heaven. Yeah. That would have been so cool. Oh. Yeah. All these women, like, I just desperately want to meet them. I think they are so, so incredibly cool <laughs> is the only word that I've got. Um, at the moment, I like, but that's not even like the word that I want to use. They're so inspiring, so engaging, and they just have all these qualities, like an absolute grit to them mm-hmm. that makes me want to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Like, just listening to their stories, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, Virginia Hall. Okay, I started listening to her book after Tammy and I had just gone on this 14-mile hike that was supposed <laughs> to be 14 miles, ended up being 17, 19. no, 19, 19 miles, 19. and we did For it one record, day. For the record, I don't know that I'm ever going to let them plan hiking events <laughs> where I'm going. <laughs> For the record, it was not moi. <laughs> Leave me alone, guys. I suffered enough. <laughs> This hike, like, this is the second time I've almost died on a hike, and it wasn't even that bad. But, like, we ran, we were in the desert in July. It was a year ago. That's why Isn't last that week was so bad for me. Yes, was, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was so rough. I got the okay. sure remembering. there, and I was like, whoo. <laughs> that was a, that was so a hike. We're hiking through the desert on what's supposed to be like a little creek bed, right? And it's the Escalante River Trail. If you've if you've done it, you you know what it is. But we um, we apparently got lost. Like initially, okay, I'll be honest. I thought there was a bobcat chasing us. It was that when that whole bobcat meme came out, you know. And I was I thought there was a bobcat chasing us, and I was like, I did not bring my gun. I do not know how to fight a bobcat. <laughs> so this is great. And so <laughs> we. Um, I'm like, all right, Tammy, here's what we're going to do. And I, like, pick up some rocks. <laughs> if we stand against this wall, I'm like, this is where we're making our stand. <laughs> the bobcat comes at us. Like, honestly, I'm pretty excited to see this video because in heaven it's probably a bunny. <laughs> and won't that be great? But <laughs> I was so prepared. <laughs> the wind. <laughs> Definitely, it was probably the wind. But we're like, okay, we hear the water, so we'll just keep going. But every couple seconds I'm like, looking over my shoulder. You guys have seen me when I'm yep. in my security mode. You went mode. full security mode, and I was like, I think we'll be okay, Anne. <laughs> it's broad daylight, but she we like were all by ourselves. She did not let go of these rocks for, like, miles. Well, and then, <laughs> Miles. So, <laughs> so then we get to this, this stream, and I was like, if we jump in the stream, it'll lose our scent. It won't be able to follow us. And Tammy's like, okay. 
<laughs> so we jump into the stream, but the downside is that we lose the trail. <laughs> and also this stream, keep in mind we're in the desert. Tammy and I can't swim. And we're like, that's fine. It's not very deep. It's only up to our ankles. We keep walking. We get up to our chins. We almost drowned in the desert. <laughs> How does that even freaking happen? <laughs> and then the best part is Anne's like, <laughs> we're getting to what we think is the end. She's like, there's only a few more crossings and then the parking lot's right over there, right? Ten crossings later. It's it, like two more crossings. <laughs> Fifteen later. I promise it's almost here. And my, my dog is on this, right? And she's like... A month or a year and like two months old, so she's like she's little. A baby. She's still a baby, and she she was a trooper for the first like seven miles, and then after that she like anytime she got to the river she just like wilted. Ah. Well, but keep in mind we've been checking our pedometer, and every couple miles it'll tell us like this is how far you've gone, and mm-hmm. so we're looking at it and like we've walked fourteen miles. Yep. Where is the car? Where is the freaking car? Right. And then at one point, Tammy's like, Anne, stop. I was like, what? She's like, stop. I was like, okay. She's like, turn around. I'm like, is it the cougar again? She's like, no, it's a snake. Because I, like, <gasps> I, I do not do snakes. And I'm like, oh, no. And Tammy's like, don't look, don't look. I was like, okay. So I turn around. And then I look because obviously I'm curious because there's a freaking snake. And it's not, like, coming after us or anything. So clearly we might be okay. It's the size of a worm. Like two Whatever. worms, if you tied them together, it was so it was small. A baby snake. It was a baby rattlesnake. It was so small. It was a shoelace on the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, like, those ones are the most dang, mm-hmm. Yeah, the most potent. So. No, for sure. I feel the shade going, and I'm like, like, we were safe. Let's evaluate this. We were safe. <laughs> we were like, it was very important because if I had seen it, I would have lost my mind. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, we were already dehydrated at this point. I have seen. What are they called? The specters in the desert? Not hallucinations. Hallucinations? Mirages. 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 There we go. That's <laughs> yeah, I have seen mirages at this point of home. <laughs> I'm so glad I was not here, guys. It, was it would such have an been adventure. so oh fun. Oh my gosh. But um, so we're hiking and we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. And we're tired. We're so tired. We had some good come like, to Jesus moments right there. Like, <laughs> and then it starts raining. Seriously. In the desert. Oh, in, in the, the desert. desert. And keep in mind, this is flash flood area. Anybody in Escalani will tell you if you see a single cloud, in the sky you get out you get out uh-huh. it starts raining on us we're like we're gonna die we are gonna drown again like running in away the from desert. the river like get somewhere else <laughs> get to high ground there's no high ground there's we're no in a canyon ground. we are in a freaking canyon <laughs> we have to keep crossing this river that's getting higher <laughs> and we've lost the trail we're like we like our only clue is the river <laughs> and so we just keep following it oh sorry um anyway so Oh, finally, at one point, I was like, Tammy's like, Anne, my phone is dead. Will you please check and see on your GPS where the car is or where we are? I was like, all right, fine. So I look, <laughs> keep in mind, at this point, we've gone 17 miles and, like, we're turning around. That's it. We're done. And Tammy's like, it. we can't, we can't be that far away. <laughs> so I look and, I, like, we're, like, on the map, we're, like, half an inch away. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's not that far because um, it was zoomed in pretty well. But yeah. like, but I'm like, okay, I'm giving it a half hour. If we're not there in a half hour, we're turning we're around. We're turning around. That was like, her thought. Okay. 17 miles we're in, not we're turning around. around. Okay, guys? <laughs> we can't 
go around. Did you remember? Like we had to jump off things. Like it was, it was, it was not an easy hike. It was sketch. Um, <laughs> the way anyway. we took. I'm sure if you took yeah. the regular path, it was fine. But um, yes. But so anyway. So then, literally, we are in the car a half hour later, <laughs> and I was like, "The Lord loves us." <laughs> like he's just teasing us. Like literally, used all of my personal fears against me. And I, after that, I was like, "I am never going hiking again. I am done. Never ever again." <laughs> And then I listened to Virginia Hall's book, and I'm like, I need to go hiking every week. <laughs> because that's going to help me develop her same attitude and her same grit and, like, the uh, endurance of, I can do hard things. Like, But that's something else that I think is really interesting about all these women. They all very much have this endurance for hardship. Mm-hmm. Not, not just pain. Like, there's they're one of the most successful women who... Um, survived the Gestapo torture um, and interrogation without giving up any information, her ability to endure pain was based on the fact that they accidentally made it so that she could see outside and see a garden. Mm. And she said, there is a world that exists outside of all of this pain that I'm feeling. And that's how she survived and never gave away any information. If they had closed the window, she would have given them anything they wanted to know. Mm -hmm. But because she could see outside and see a bigger picture, she never told them anything, which I think is really cool. I did want to say something yeah. about Virginia Hall. Just the fact that she dressed up as an older woman. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're young women, and we've talked a lot about, you know, relationships and things like that from different perspectives. And uh, some of our future stuff will talk about, like, motherhood and what that means and womanhood and that kind of thing and the power there. But there's a lot of women. I'm, I'm friends with actually a lot of older women in their mm-hmm. 50s. Um, women that should be, like, my mother's age, but somehow we just have these amazing bonds. And they really struggle with their identity at that point in their life, too. Maybe they've raised yeah. kids, they've had careers, and they, they struggle. But I love Virginia Hall because this is such, I know she's portraying. She's not actually this old, old lady. But there is a power and an influence that old, older women have in society and mm-hmm. within cultures. And I would just say for our, our little bit more mature audience, and for people that have mature connections. Mm -hmm. There is value that you bring, that they bring. There's wisdom Mm -hmm. and and just connection that cannot and should not be overlooked. So if there are older individuals around you, make sure you take a closer look. Don't just automatically overlook them. Take a closer look and see what you can learn from them because they can change your whole life with just a little bit of wisdom or an experience, if you're willing to hear and listen and, and apply it, if it fits you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's so cool. Like, honestly, um, some of the most impactful women on in my life and on my mission were um, little old ladies. They were my mm-hmm. favorite people to talk to. They had the funniest stories. They had the best advice. And honestly, they have so much experience to offer. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I know that the, the stereotype of, like, the little old lady is yet another brand that mm-hmm. culturally we give, that we give to people, and that we give to these these women. Um, little old men also, mm-hmm. they have their super own brand too. too. They've got their own brand, mm-hmm. um, but like that, that love and that trust and that 
There can um, be respect. Respect, yeah. Sometimes we even use it just as a like a, a, a not a soundboard, but like a, a ricochet. Yes. <laughs> um, I I want to be opposite of you because you're trying to repress me, but mm-hmm. that can help you have grit as a young person. So I'm yeah. saying there's a real pivotal oh, yeah. uh, need for that mm-hmm. generation to fill. Yes. Yeah. Well, I love it too. In in where I grew up in my hometown, they have this little group of old ladies that they wear red and purple. Obviously, oh, yeah. they don't the red together. Hat society. Yeah, but the, my favorite thing is they would invite young people to come and yep. like perform for their uh, situation. So we would sing yeah. like, uh, or we would play our instruments and sing songs for them. But just the spunk that these old ladies had, like uh-huh. they they were the ones that made the community even better yeah. because they gave an outlet for youth to to come and perform and to show their skills and to grow. And it's just these little old ladies <laughs> made that possible. Well, and I love this yeah. idea. Like, we've a lot of the times it's women moms and that are putting their children into organized um, activities. Mm-hmm. But women, hello, this council, this silk that we've created, mm-hmm. look at the discussions, look at the value we're bringing to each other's lives mm-hmm. and then hopefully our listeners. But older women, come on. Yeah. Do this. It doesn't yeah. have to be a red hat society. It could just be your very best friend or a small council, but it could also be much bigger. Mm-hmm. Come together. Let's let's really instill community that we've lost over the last mm-hmm. decade. Yeah. Let's bring that back yeah. and and break down barriers. Mm-hmm. We can still have our own lives and our own uh, pursuits of happiness and our own American dreams, but let's not forget community. And I feel mm-hmm. like we do. We forget. Yeah, and let's not wait until we have a war threatening what we hold valuable. Exactly. To recreate those friendships and those yeah that love for each other. Okay, so I'll do one more thing, and and I know we're we're wrapping up this (laughs) session, but I watched there's um this really adorable movie, actually for World War Two on Netflix, and it's called Mm -hmm. the. Guernsey Literary Society. Oh, yeah, the potato, potato peel pie yeah. society, something like that. <laughs> but it's a group of, um, like, during the occupation yeah. that they created a literary society. Society, So, that, I mean, they almost got caught. So there's, like, a little story. Yeah. Like, almost got in trouble with Gestapo. But they create a society, and it, that is what ultimately sustains them mm-hmm. in the war. But, yeah, like Anne said, let's not wait until there's war to unite mm-hmm. and to strengthen each other and to be better. And to build that community, because that's what, I think in part, that's what the Nazis brought in, mm-hmm. um, yep. especially talking about with Coco Chanel. But in general, they brought in that that feeling of community. Mm-hmm. And there is, in my now hometown, <laughs> they have, on the 4th of July, everybody gets together as a whole community and performs just random 4th of July music and dancing and poetry reading and just experiences as a, as a community. And it was one thing that I, I really loved, especially because you've got the older ladies who come and do the readings and they come and do these performances oh, and they just, that. they built that community from the ground up. And it's yeah. one of those areas that I think even if somebody came in, they couldn't break that because we are a community, even if it's only on July 4th. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Traditions are powerful. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they did it so well. And oh. we talked about a tiny bit about how um, the Catholic Church and the priest was u- used against. as a cover against yeah. the people. They're, this is real. Mm-hmm. Like, these yeah. are r- real resources that can be used against you, but let's, let's but have this in place. can bring you together. And bring this mm-hmm. together instead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's strengthen ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, yes. That's very much um, 
wow, that's definitely what we kind of took from Virginia Hall. A lot of um, uh, don't be blinded by your initial perception of people because mm-hmm. sometimes they're using it against you. Uh, very much the Nazis did, very much Virginia Hall did, but mm-hmm. also Virginia Hall, I mean, and you don't always know how honorable people's intentions are, so yeah. don't forget to use your critical reasoning skills and all of that. Um, let's see, what else did I want to say? I think, I think that's pretty yeah. much it. That's it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk next week about a woman who used her first impressions and those first impressions were just a part of her. They were part of who she is and part of um, who she was going to become. And the first impressions that people had of her are what ultimately made her an empress. So tune in next week um, to learn more about her story. Uh, check out our Instagram. We'll have more information for her there, give you a little bit of a lead in to her story. And we will catch you next time. Well, we'll see you in Tahiti. Au revoir. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to check out our Instagram at Queen Silk Podcast and give us a follow so you never miss our updates. For more information about the women we have discussed or that we will discuss, you can visit our website at www.thequeensilkpodcast.com. If you have any questions, comments, queries, dilemmas, recommendations, memes, or you want to share your story with us, you can email us at thequeensilkpodcast at gmail.com. We will respond to all messages as soon as possible. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.